This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. gentlemen thank you guys for listening to the negro league podcast once again sponsored by more better soul clothing line you can check out more better soul clothing and also get negro league t-shirts at mobettersoul.bigcartel.com you can also save 10 percent on your next purchase by typing in code negro to save 10 percent on some dope shit some dope fly stuff so if you like black shit which i assume you do because you listen to a podcast called the negro league uh use code negro once again it is mobettersoul.bigcartel.com thank you guys for listening um i am your host preach jacobs once again uh talking about a bunch of shit that's going on uh it's a little bit later this time because i usually do this on sunday nights and put it out monday morning but I had a bunch of deadlines in the newspapers, uh, some editorials I was writing. Plus, you know, fuck it. You know, the, the season premiere of Insecure came on, so I had to watch that. <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, I think we got to start off at a place of something that I think every black person needs to do. One thing that every black person has to do. I think we all collectively, I know me, me in particular, old Spike Lee. An apology. Let me explain. Do the Right Thing is my favorite movie of all time. It speaks on every level that I could possibly imagine. It's black as a motherfucker. It has him wearing a Jackie Robinson jersey, my favorite player of all time. And it aged extremely well. 30 years old, 30 plus, I guess. But Spike was that dude as far as writing, directing. You know, he put himself in his own movies, but he was that guy. Like, I aspired to be Spike, right? He was batting at a thousand. So, you know, when I was a kid, you know, do the right thing was my shit. You got you got X, you got Mobetta Blues. I mean, I even love Clockers, which side note, Clockers are supposed to be a movie for Marty Scorsese. Um, so Clockers, the original script. I know I'm going off <laughs> going off track, but fuck it, it's, it's a piece of trivia. Clockers is supposed to be a movie that was more about the detective uh solving the murder the detective that was played by harvey Keitel. originally that detective was going to be played by robert de niro and scorsese was going to direct the movie but casino became available <laughs> and so scorsese's like fuck it i'm leaving clockers um and he passed the movie on to spike so scorsese stayed on the movie as a producer uh and spike made it be more centered around the actual hustlers and made it more centered around Makai Pfeiffer's character, Strike. And he said, I need somebody to play the detective. Scorsese said, well, fuck it. Call Harvey Keitel. So that's kind of how that happened. Side note, it was one of my, I, like, I like that movie too. It's not one of his best, but a lot of people kind of hate that movie. But basically what I'm saying is, the past decade or so of Spike Lee films have been shit. Like, I've been really frustrated with Spike for the past decade, right? So you have, like, Red Hook Summer. You have The Sweet Blood of Jesus that answers the question, hey, do you want to see the chick that plays Snoop on the wire, butt-ass naked? And the answer is no. Nah. Nah. I'm not body shaming. Nobody wants to see me naked either. I don't want to see me naked. You know what I'm saying? But it just wasn't a fucking good movie. Uh, Chirac, 
you know, um, I think consistently over the past decade or so, Spike Lee's documentary game has been amazing. So as far as like Four Little Girls, when the levees broke, like his documentary game, he did one on Off the Wall. I loved it. Um, She's Gotta Have It came out on Netflix, and I wasn't too much of a big fan about that. But I say I owe him an apology because I never thought he will be able to get back to form. I don't. I didn't think I would ever see um, do the right thing again, where he's just just on point on time and everything. Um, Black Klansman became that movie for me. I saw it. Uh, saw an advanced screening of it, and it floored me, man. I'm gonna tell you the first things first, right? It's like when you when you saw see the previews for the first time you think that it's supposed to be like a comedy like you know what i mean like they have like the old you know 70s fonts and all the type of stuff and like oh yeah right on like like you think it's like motherfucking undercover brother with the clan or some shit like that right and it's like nah man nah this there's nothing funny about this movie i mean there's humorous moments but there's a lot of of layers to the film and i would say you know Jordan Peele produced it. It was very, very um, on point. Like, it was really, really fucking dope. Like, it was really um, succinct. The script was great. It was produced very, very well. And and shout out to Jordan Peele because, like, I think a lot of people were surprised at how great Get Out was. But when you think about it, after, like, 200-something episodes of, uh, of, of, of Key and Peele, they they wrote and directed and produced a lot of that shit. So he really have a, he really has an idea of how to like structure the movies and stuff like that. So so Spike was was at his A game and the editorial that I wrote, I said that it's a it's a it's an unfortunate masterpiece. Right? It's a masterpiece in the sense of Spike is is at the top of his game as far as being able to be that mastery of the voice of of social black American commentary, but it's unfortunate because I wish we didn't need it right now. Right. I wish we didn't need it. Um, John David Washington, which is uh Denzel's son uh, plays the lead. Funny enough. Uh, Ron Starworth is the, the character that he plays. Funny enough, the, the actual story, which is based on a true story. Uh, the, the guy that the movie is based on, he said years ago that, if they made a, a film about his life or about this this situation, that he would want Denzel to play it, right? Um, it's 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 dope, and it and it it asks a lot of questions. Where you have this black man in the seventies at a at a police department where there's not a lot of black folks, you know, you're the man, quote unquote, the man that's against the system, that's against. Uh, black empowerment and so you already had that strike against you which reminds me of this book called eyes to my soul and it's about the first black fbi agent right and it talks about a lot of the things that being in a system would question your blackness like the book talked about coin pro where the fbi was like yo we're going to infiltrate the black panthers and fuck them up from the inside so how do you do that you hire black FBI agents and black officers to fuck up organizations that are led by people that look like you, right? This is what the this is what the FBI did to the Panthers, right? The FBI would do it would do shit like 
anything in the mail system is federal. So FBI controls the mailing system. So what they would do is like, let's say you got uh, uh, Huey P. Newton, who's in charge of the West Coast branch of the Panthers, writing a letter to Eldridge Cleaver, who's in charge of the East Coast branch of the Panthers, and they're writing letters back and forth. Well, the FBI will intercept those letters and have handwriting experts to look at, hmm, this is how Huey P. writes. This is how he does his W's and his P's or whatever. And what they would do is they would rewrite the letters with the handwriting experts saying shit like, yo, fuck Eldridge Cleaver. Let's get this nigga out of here. Blah, 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 blah. All the type of shit that you could possibly imagine. So what happens when those letters get delivered? You say, go, fuck, man. Huey didn't want me to read this? Wow, he's saying this shit about Eldridge? This has to be true. Because it's in his handwriting. And so you have somebody like J. Edgar Hoover that was thinking that, oh, you know, FB, the, 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 the FBI's plan to, to really stop, you know, the public enemies of society. He was like, yo, the, the Black Panthers are the number one threat to America. And you had to hire black FBI agents to do that. And I say that to say because there was a moment in the film where, you know, the main character is going to this police force and his first assignment, real assignment, is to go to a black student union's um, event to listen to Stokely Carmichael speak. And it's like, yo, you gonna, you gonna be in here to, to gauge what's this guy's threat to the area. You know what I'm saying? So how do you feel when you're in that position, right? You know? It's like, it's very Dak Prescottian. Where it's like, uh, Dak goes and says, oh, you know, protesting isn't the place, uh, you know, kneeling and protesting isn't the place in football. You're not supposed to do that there. Like, really echoing the shit that Jerry Jones wants him to say. You know? How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you be a football player first, black man second, right? And I think that's one of those things where, you know, in the film, that's just like really, really spot on. It's like, are you a black man before you're a cop? Are you a black man before you're a police officer? So the main character uh, really kind of had to struggle with that because you go to this Black Panther, uh, uh, it's not a Panther rally, but you go to this to this event, this speaking engagement, and you listen to this man talk about the plights of black people in America and talk about how the cops abuse black people in America, and you're a fucking cop. How do you separate that, Right. Those are one of those things that I think was really, really strong in the film. And he was first assigned to infiltrate the Panthers, but he actually infiltrated the Klan. You know, the Ku Klux Klan put a fucking ad in the paper like it's fucking Craigslist. Like, hey, join the membership today. And he actually calls a number and gets contact with the local chapter of the Klan. And the Klan wants to meet. So he actually has a white avatar, right? He has like a white guy to go in and and meet the clan in person type of thing, right? And the film kind of talks about like how they kind of infiltrated to the point where it got up to David Duke. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to give a fucking movie review, but I think that acknowledging the impact of the film, I by the end of it, I was crying and... The end of it, it's like it's touching on, you know, Charlottesville, which, you know, it's not an accident that the movie came out the the anniversary of Charlottesville. Like it was extremely intentional for that to happen. Right. And so what ends up happening is that when you look at the film from that perspective, there's a lot of stuff that we think is in the rear view 
of American culture that's that is not right. If we're looking at you know race relations in America, at the end of the film, there's a you know it's supposed to be a Klan rally or a Klan gathering, and then it splices into Charlottesville, and you can't tell which is which, right? I live in Columbia, South Carolina, and there was a Klan rally here in 2015, and I went to it. You know, it's it's not ancient history, especially being a black man living in the South. It's definitely not ancient history. And and it dawned on me while I was crying. I said, yo, this is why I'm crying. It's because this movie isn't a fucking period piece, right? It's like you can make a movie like Inglorious Bastards, right, where it's just this reimagined idea of how World War II is and and you're shooting up Nazis and you're carving fucking swastikas on, on Nazis' heads and stuff like that. And we can have a laugh about it. And we can have a laugh about it because we know that that shit's not happening anymore. I mean, it's racism, right? But we know that, like, okay, everybody collectively is like, all right, we renounce all this except Nazis. But, like, how it's difficult to to, to have a satirical film about that race relations in America when it's still here. That's why I said, like, the previews make it look like it's a fucking comedy. It's not a fucking comedy. It's like, there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about it. Um, I think the social commentary on it was was pretty, pretty thick and strong. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of reviewers that kind of get mad that he's, like, having the parallels with, with Trump at the end. But... I think that's the point, <laughs> right? That's the fucking point, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think this is this is right up there with, with some of Spike's greatest work. And I think that we are reminded that he's the guy to do it, right? So there's a part in the film where, you know, the Klan is celebrating watching Birth of a Nation, you know? The movie that came out in 1915, and the whole premise of the movie was, hey, this is post-Civil War. And after the Civil War, all these black ex-slaves, they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, fuck your wife. They're going to take your white woman and, and they're going to ravish the streets and do all this type of shit and blah, 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 blah. So all the, all the quote-unquote black characters in Birth of a Nation, they were painted, you know, it was white guys with, with shoe polish on their face, you know, supposedly fucking up the town and, and taking all the white women. And the heroes that saved the day in the movie was the Ku Klux Klan. And President Woodrow Wilson had a viewing at the White House, and he said that like the movie was like writing history with lightning. And the sad part about it is that it's oh so, so true. And it's like, try to watch that movie. Try to watch it. Try to, try to watch Birth of a Nation, you know? And they talked about Birth of a Nation in the Jack Johnson documentary. Um, the documentary called Unforgivably Black, which was the title that they gave him, a writer gave him, where he just embraced that shit and loved it. You know what I mean? Um, so the film really talks about a lot of those things where when you hear terms like make America great again, it makes it sound like, hey, we missed yesteryear when we had more power. We missed yesteryear when, you know, you know, black people didn't have voting rights or, or women couldn't vote or or there wasn't so many 
people that don't look like me are here or or basically ill-gotten gains right it's like to be angry at losing something that you had but the reason you had it was because of some bullshit or because it was morally wrong well, you can't get mad at that right like this is essentially what it is and so seeing black Klansmen really touched me on a lot of levels um, because a lot of this shit ain't old. It's it's brand new, and I, and I feel like what's going on politically right now, I think that Trump allows this stuff to to be more out in the open. Um, <laughs> I, I get hate mail every week. I write an editorial for the newspaper here, and one of these guys was just kind of like, you know, arguing that one of the, the editorials that I wrote, I wrote about the permit patty concept of, of you know, White people calling the cops on black kids, right? You know, oh, there's a black kid with a lemonade stand. Does he have a fucking permit? Let's call him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like. And I wrote that when when white people are threatening to call the cops on black people, that's a death threat, right? That's a death threat. Knowing the relationship that we have with police force, law enforcement, that's a fucking death threat. Somebody say I'm calling the cops on you. It's a death threat. And when you're calling it on kids for for stupid shit. There's an emboldenedness with that. And and I, what I wrote in the article was like, where does that come from? It's you take on the the personality of the president. And when did we see that? Remember when Obama was president and Trump was like, hey, man, this nigga ain't from here. Where's the birth certificate? Birth certificate. Show the birth certificate. Asking kids to show ID to have a lemonade stand or, or show a permit to fucking have a barbecue is code for saying you don't belong here you don't belong here right like if you had a basketball game and you see a nigga that's seven foot two you ain't gonna ask him for his id like nigga you okay you look like you should be here right like like they're treating us as if we're not supposed to be here right so permit pattying is basically the birthers movement that hey, we gotta see you, we gotta see your birth certificate because you don't belong in the White House or you don't belong in America or or you got this on some on some technicality. How is this not the same thing? And Trump is emboldening his base. He doesn't give a fuck about politics for America. He gives a fuck about emboldening his base, which he's even said in private talks that, oh, you know, the the NFL kneeling thing. He just enrages his base by just skewing the narrative. And he says, this is really great for me. Because he knows that every time he says that shit, he gets like the celebration and he gets like the people saying, yeah, my fucking flag, man. Tell you something about the red, white, and blue, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, he's a fucking con artist, man. And so seeing the end where Trump didn't denounce the Nazis, and he was saying it was very good people on both sides. And then you see the actual David Duke saying, like, yo, I salute my president and thank you for saying that. And he actually said in a private letter, like, oh, you know, when Trump said that there was, you know, uh, bad people on both sides, he basically said, like, yo, this is good for us. He didn't denounce us. Like, when you have fucking David Duke on your side with anything, it's uh, so for Spike to handle this film the way that he did is is remarkable. I mean, that shit had me at the edge of my seat and it fucked with me on a lot of ways emotionally and to have Prince at the end 
oh my god like I, the tears are flowing and and i just i tell my homies this my black homies this don't go with your white homeboys like i got a few right friends they love spike lee we go to see movies all the time i had a white homeboy we went to go see you know black panther together right and we loved it had a good time high five yay don't see this with your white homeboy <laughs> we're like don't do that shit don't no 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 don't do that shit um yeah the movie's fucking remarkable and I think it's kind of funny that the same week you got somebody like Kanye that uh, <laughs> saw Jimmy Kimmel uh, doing another interview. And, and and I've talked about this shit before. I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast or whatever. It's like I'm really just through with Kanye, right? Uh, yeah. You know, ever since the slave comment where – my take on it was like, all right, Kanye just basically called your ancestors a bunch of pussies. You know? Oh, that's a choice. Oh, y'all pussies. That's, that's you know, like that's exactly what he said. And it's kind of like seeing him on these networks, seeing him doing these interviews, there's nothing that I want to hear that he has to say. Like nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He's gone. He doesn't even talk the same anymore. Right? His voice is just different. And it's like, you know, for somebody that made his name on being someone that famously spoke for us. Black folks say, yo, George Bush don't care about black people. But, oh, I love Trump, and he's this and he's that. You know, Jimmy Kimmel asked him, was like, well, if you felt like George Bush don't care about black people, what makes you think that Donald Trump cares about black people or anybody? And Kanye doesn't say anything, and Jimmy Kimmel goes to a commercial, right? I feel like this with, with Kanye. Oh, then the next day he puts out a song saying he wants to fuck his, his uh, sister-in-laws. Okay. He's done, he's dunsies to me, gone. Don't give a fuck about anything he says. You know, listen to college dropout all you want, listen to graduation all you want, uh, 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 late registration, whatever. Like, everything outside of that, I'm, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. Um, I feel like the best way to fuck with him is to ignore him. He's a billboard, right? Like, billboards only work when you pay attention to him when you talk about him, when you respond to him. So it's like, this is going to be a Kanye-free zone on this podcast from now on. The only reason why I have some friends that say, oh, I don't read anything about the president and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to talk about the president. The only reason I disagree with that is because, you know, Kanye's an artist. So him saying dumb shit, I really don't give a fuck. But when you're somebody that has control over policy and things like that, we have to have a resistance. And you got to resist in every platform that you have. This is a platform that I have, right? Writing is a platform that I have. Voting is a platform that I have. You know, music, your platform is don't buy the record. You know what I'm saying? Like, so so I don't agree with people that feel like, oh, I'm not going to read anything about the president because this is totally different. And we have to know about these things because it's like when we don't know about these things, that's how stuff will kind of slip under our, our feet, you know? Where we think Trump is harmless or think he's loud, but he puts, like, you know, sessions in as attorney general. Or they implement these little laws that affect us in a real way. So those those are the things that that I disagree with a lot of my people that say they want to like not pay the, the president any attention. It's like, nah, we gotta resist, we gotta get him the fuck out of there. Right? But I think it's kind of crazy that in in the times of 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 what's going on, how out of touch these people we once used to look at look up to or they're just gone, right? To the point where it's like, I love Jim Brown. I even talked about him in the last episode. It's like, he says, oh, like, hard knocks. Oh, I never kneel for the flag. You know, my country's giving me so much. This is fucking Jim Brown. The Jim Brown that was with Muhammad Ali, that was with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
when they had a black athlete summit talking about the injustices of the world. So, so for somebody like Jim Brown to all of a sudden just all of a sudden, oh, I would never live for the flag. If you wouldn't kneel for the flag, whatever, that's one thing. But it's incomplete if you don't acknowledge this is the brother's attempt to protest, and I support that. That's what ends up happening, right? Is that just because somebody's protesting a different way than you would protest, you can't throw them under the bus. And so all of a sudden now, you know, the thing I see about Dak Prescott, like Jerry Jones is going publicly, I'm proud of Dak, you know. And he got fucking assholes like Kyle and Kyle Hurd, which I, I like him sometimes, but like Kyle Hurd sometimes is saying some shit like the sports guy who's on Fox News now or Fox Sports. Like, he'll say some stuff that's kind of Cody and, and, and just borderline racist sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't call people racist per se unless they earned it. I say some of the actions sound racist. And so, like, he's like, oh, yeah, that's a grown-up. And he's like, it's not the place to protest. And, well, like, we've been talking about this shit for three years. Kaepernick hasn't played for two years. How can you deny that this is the way that he should have gone about it? Right? And let's be honest about it. Let's, let's put this in perspective. I, said this, I say this again. Your people are dying or getting murdered what else are you supposed to do, right? If you're like, people are dying, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Aren't you going to take advantage of every fucking platform or opportunity that you have? This is the shit that just drives me fucking crazy about it. Like, what are you supposed to do? What is nigga supposed to do? Write it in this Hello Kitty journal. Today, the cops killed another black person. Mm -mm -mm. Like, yo, protests are supposed to make you uncomfortable because I promise you there's plenty of people that probably said in papers in the 60s, you know, marching, <laughs> you know, marching in the Washington Monument. Kings should find another way to complain because what about people that got to go to work, <laughs> right? There's so much fucking traffic. I can't get, I can't get to work. Like it's the same dumb shit that Sage still said on ESPN where you have Trump trying to do the Muslim ban. So you have people actually protesting at the airports. And Sage still was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we can't get on our flight on time. Like, yo, this is an attack on, on, on people, an attack on people of color that should be your, your brethren. I feel like that. Black people, brown people, you know, we're brethren. Like, yo, Right? Cops come, my homeboy, well, my Puerto Rican homeboy is just as scared as I am. Like, we're brothers in this shit. So if I say you still to be talking about, oh, you know, people can't get on their flights. Like, Yo, fuck you on your flight, man. Even if, I, even if I was late for my flight, I would support what they're doing. Because that's an attack on them, right? Like, we can't be those people that only complain about our problems. And when we see other people fighting for their rights get mad at them because it's not quote-unquote our fight or we're not directly affected by it. That's bullshit, man. And I feel as much as I love Jim Brown, how he handled that, I really, really disagree with it. I really disagree with it. Jim Brown, who left the league in his fucking prime because of the racism that was going on, left the league, best, best player in the NFL. Matter of fact, he won a championship before the shit was called a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's like, oh, I wouldn't kneel. Like, dude, like, and I feel the same way. Like, as much as I love Jackie Robinson, I feel kind of the same way too, where I feel like this is exactly the same thing where where Jackie, Jackie Robinson and Joe Lewis attack Muhammad Ali. 
Because Jackie Robinson fought in World War II, and Jackie Robinson is like, yo, Ali, not, not going to fight for Vietnam. That's wrong. Joe Lewis saying the same thing, right? Joe Lewis specifically, who was chewed up by the United States government and spat out, who left in his prime to fight in World War II or to help with the war effort. Like, he did, like, exhibition fights and shit like that. But they didn't pay him. They fucked his money up. And he had to come out of retirement because they tried to say, oh, you owe all this money on taxes. They fucked him up. That's why, like, when, we, when they joked about Rocky Marciano beating Joe Lewis, that's what happened. Joe Lewis went back in the ring at, like, 37, 38 years old. He shouldn't have been fighting anymore. And he fought this fucking little Italian guy that's in his 20s. Fuck Joe Lewis up. Fuck Joe Lewis up. All his money gone, right? How do you not have empathy for somebody like Muhammad Ali saying, nah, man, I ain't fucking with that? How are you going to send me over here to fight these black and brown people when we don't have freedom here? <laughs> right? How, how, does that, how does that happen? Same thing with Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson fought in World War II where it was documented he had to battle with motherfuckers because of racism in there. Right? And let's and, and be honest, man. Like, the armed forces were segregated into the 60s. Like, you went through that shit too. Like I don't understand. I don't understand that you can't say, "All right, that's not what I would do." But I understand this brother's plight. I get it, and I support him and how he wants to handle to do it. Because what ends up happening with all these Fox News niggas and shit like that? They're like, "Oh well, Jim Brown said he wouldn't kneel. What about that?" Right. So. Anybody out there that wants to do a protest, that wants to do, that wants to speak out against injustice, however you choose to do it, as long as you ain't hurting other people, I got you. I got you. And if you are going to hurt people, hurt the right ones. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. It's, it's, it drives me fucking crazy. Um, I think I spent this whole fucking podcast talking about this movie and what surrounds it. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to talk about. Like, I, I feel like if, if you haven't seen the movie, go fucking see it. It's Spike Lee at the top of his game. Um, you know, the Klansmen and all these white people and David Duke probably calling you niggers <laughs> with the hard R's, right? Like, David Duke said that he's afraid that the movie's going to depict them as being silly. And I'm like, how are you afraid about how a movie depicts you? But but you don't have any problem being associated with being the Grand Wizard of the Klan. Makes no fucking sense to me, man. But I love this movie. I think it's probably one of the best movies that come out this year. I'm not being I'm not being a, a victim of the moment because I've been very vocal about not liking a lot of Spike shit recently. Because I got frustrated. I thought he would be more known as the Knicks fan than it is the guy that makes fucking amazing movies. And um, yeah, he did it. So once again, uh, our sponsor, Mo Better Soul Clothing, T-shirts and hats and all this other dope shit. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Use the code NEGRO to save 10% on your order. And uh, we'll be back next week. Hope you enjoyed it. Cheers.